Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and we're in the middle of November. Welcome to the middle of November. In fact, yesterday was my man's birthday. Happy birthday, Aaron Ivy. And I, right now, am still in El Paso on a trip with Women of Welcome, which I've been down to El Paso before with them. I'm just positive we're having a phenomenal time. But if you want to follow our trip, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Jamie Ivy. But we're in the middle of November. And in fact, Friday's episode is the one that we have been anxiously awaiting. It is that holiday gift guide, which let me tell you, you're going to want to be in the know of what we're bringing to you this Friday. We have a video version where you can watch Watch. And remember, we had a live audience at this holiday gift guide recording, and then it'll be on the show on Friday as well. For all the information, go to jamieivy.com slash HH444. Today's conversation is one you don't want to miss. It is with uh, Dallas Jenkins, who is one of the co-writers and creators and director of The Chosen, which is a phenomenal show. If you have not seen it, please get on the bandwagon and binge Jesus. Like they say, it's presented free and you can find it anywhere. There's an app that shows you can find it on YouTube. It has been viewed by over 287 million unique viewers. You guys, did you hear that? So it took almost three years to reach 100 million views and less than three months to reach 200 million views. The series is just phenomenal. It's been translated into nine languages, subtitled in 50. The final episode of season two, so there's two seasons out already, had 2.3 million views in the first five days. You guys, this show is about the life of Jesus and the way that Dallas and his writers, we talk about it in the show today, about how they brought the humanity of the people who Jesus interacted with is just something that is changing. And let me tell you, I cried in this episode talking with Dallas about his show. And then we also talk about their Christmas special that's coming up. So I'll quit talking about it and let you listen to him talk about it. Here's my conversation with Dallas Jenkins. Dallas, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much. I'm uh, thrilled to be here. So excited to be here. I have been looking forward to talking to you for a while because I love the work that you've been doing on The Chosen. And you guys have a new Christmas special coming out. And just and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself. We know that you created Chosen. I know you've created so many other things and you're writing, co-writing it and directing it. But you have a family and, and you've done other stuff. So tell me a little bit about just your personal life. Yeah, well, I'm talking to you right now from Texas. <gasps> That's where I am. Where are you? Oh, I'm in uh, a small suburb outside of Dallas called Midlothian. Which I know is where, where Midlothian we are. is. Yeah, you're one of the few. We are building our future sets for The Chosen for season three and beyond. This is where we film. And so we're building a soundstage and first century sets here. And I'd lived in Illinois for the previous decade as where I was born and raised before I moved to LA for a decade to do films. And I've been in Illinois the last 10 years. And we moved to Texas just three or four months ago because of The Chosen. My wife and I were a little bit tired of me being gone for months at a time while we were filming. Understandable, Texas, right? Yes. You know, <laughs> Texas or Utah and my kids uh, just wasn't sustainable. So they would come out to the set for a bit each time, but it's just not sustainable to be shooting elsewhere. So we moved from Illinois here to Texas. I have four kids. Two of them are in college, two of them, one in high school, one in middle school. And some people know that my father is Jerry Jenkins, the author of the Left Behind books. So I was raised in a very strong Christian home and in a storytelling family. 
And then, of course, my dad created one of the biggest properties in you know history of evangelical Christianity, mm-hmm. which was also taking, in his case, kind of Bible prophecy and concepts, but right. making it palatable for an audience, putting it into a different genre. Yeah, and uh, that's what we're doing with the Chosen now. So my roots are very much, I think, easily traced to the Chosen. Yeah, I think they make a lot of sense. And then, yeah, uh, yeah but my family and I very close. I love the Lord and. I love that. Experiencing this ridiculous God (laughs) movement that he's doing with the chosen and trying to navigate through that as a family. It's amazing. Well, I'm parenting around the same age. I have three boys in high school and one in middle school. And so I'm about to send my first off. So I'm here with you. I was talking to my husband last night about the show and I was asking him like, because he watched it way before I did. I don't know how I was behind the game on this. And in fact, my kids came down while we were talking and they're like, yeah, mom, I watched this. I mean, it just, it's a phenomenon where I'm like, all these people have seen it. And my husband and I were chatting last night and I said, babe, tell me what is it about it that you love so much? And because I just love to hear what is it? And I'm sure you enjoy hearing that as well. And he said something that I think you have probably heard a lot. And I've read that this is a lot of your goal. It was the humanity of just not even just the humanity of Jesus, but the humanity of the people that he was around, the humanity of the disciples. And I told Aaron last night, I was like, my most unlikely disciple that I was kind of surprised by the humanity for myself was Matthew. And I don't know about you, like sometimes if I read a book, but if there's a trailer for the movie already, I did this with The Martian, okay? I read the book, but the trailer was already out. So the whole time I read it, I saw Matt Damon. So I saw Matt Damon when I was reading it. And I was talking to Aaron last night. I was like, Matthew was so surprising to me. Like, I don't know what I pictured Matthew as, but it was so surprising. So talk with me about how important that was for you to bring humanity, not just to Jesus, but to the people he was around. Yeah, it's funny. I probably could have you know, completed your sentences when you were talking about the thing that he was drawn to, your husband. And then when you said the character that I love the most or most you know, surprised by, I was like, I was going to say is Matthew. It's, really? It's a lot of the most common comments we get. And what's interesting is the decision to portray Matthew as being on the autism spectrum was probably the biggest catalyst in bringing about the very thing you're talking about, which is the humanity Mm. of the show and of the people. It's surprising or kind of funny that that's the most common thing you hear is the people feel like human beings, you know, in the show. Mm -hmm. Well, you think, well, that's obvious, but it hasn't been so obvious. A lot of times our experience with biblical figures has been either through movies that feel very formal sometimes distant. And I had a friend of mine say to me that most Jesus projects, the disciple, there's three disciples. There's Simon, because he's the famous one. There's Judas, because he betrayed Jesus. And then there's the other 10. They're all one. They all (laughs) look look alike and sound alike and do the same. They don't have any distinct personalities. So when we were casting, we were coming up with the idea for the show and the characters that we were going to feature. And uh, Matthew was one of the first ones we decided on because of his unique story that he was a tax collector. So he was hated by the Jews, disrespected by the Romans. Jesus walks by his booth, says, follow me, and he drops everything and follows him. We're like, all right, let's explore that. Let's find a backstory. What, What could have led to that? So we started mapping out Matthew's character and what do we know about him? That's how we start with all of our characters and with our stories is what do we know from scripture? So we know he was a numbers guy because he was a tax collector. We know he was a facts guy because the first chapter of his book is a genealogy. We know that he was chose a profession that made him a social outcast. Well, I have a ton of experience with in my family and in some of the work that my wife and I have done with special needs community and the autism community in particular. Like this guy sounds like, he, you know, he's a bit on the spectrum, you know? So what if we did that? That's never been done before in a battle still. And we thought this could be such a humanizing way into the story, not only for the characters, but for the viewer Mm. to go, these people in the first century had the same issues, the same struggles, the same questions, the same concerns that we do now. And if you can identify 
with those struggles and concerns, then ideally you'll identify with the solution. Mm. And so that decision, I believe, is the number one catalyst. Now, of course, the casting, our actors are extraordinary. And the guy who plays Jesus, Jonathan, is, you know, for my money, the greatest portrayal of Jesus I've ever seen. That, of course, is a huge factor. But in terms of the writing, in terms of the approach, mm. in fact, we had it written on our wall. I just actually did a Facebook post a couple of days ago where I saw a picture from four years ago when my two co-writers and I were in my basement. We had white sheets on the wall and we were writing down all these things about the show. And I wrote down the chosen rules. Mm. And one of them was err on the side of humanity and truth. We're always going to try to err on that authenticity piece, mm -hmm. really showing what's real and showing the yeah. humanity of it. So that's yeah. a really long answer to your question, but it's the backbone of the whole show, I believe. I love it so much. And you guys have done that so well in the seasons that you've released so far. And I think one of my questions as a co-writer of the show, not only are you directing it and writing it, what has it felt like for you as a human yourself, obviously flawed, and we're all reading the same book, we're all reading the same scriptures, and yet you are creating something that is allowing the rest of us to view them new and fresh and in a new light. And I think I was driving to work today and I was thinking about my conversation. I thought, what a great time to be alive in 2021 when you can take God's word and not change it at all, but make it like put color on it. Whereas we get the just unique opportunity to see this through your light. What has it been like for you as a writer with that kind of quote unquote responsibility of taking God's word and not adding or taking, just putting some color to it? Have you felt the weight of that? Yes and no, which is, I know the worst answer you can give, but I'll elaborate. Yeah. One of the great comments we got from someone last year was, I felt like the Bible had been black and white mm -hmm. to me and now it's in color. And you use the word color in your question. When I first started this, I didn't feel much weight other than the fact that I really wanted to get it right. I mean, I just mm -hmm. wanted to, because you said we aren't adding to scripture, which is true because scripture hasn't changed. I mean, scripture right. is scripture. Your Bible has not changed since the chosen has come out. However, 95% of the content of the chosen is not from scripture. It is right. added backstory and historical and cultural context. And it's what probably the people who don't watch the show, who are our biggest critics, it's their big concern is they go, well, the Bible says don't add to it. Now that's what you're doing. And we're like, no, no, no. The Bible is not being added to because the Bible hasn't changed. This is a you're TV show. You're not rewriting show. the Bible. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. This is a show about people of first century Galilee that happens to use the Bible as its primary source right. of truth. But now that the show has come out, and we're getting the comments that we are from all corners of the world, people who've come to Christ because of the show, people whose relationship with their family has mm -hmm. been restored because of the show, because they watch the show together and it's broken their spirits in a good way, like towards God. And when people say, I'm reading my Bible more than ever, I'm going to church more than ever, my passion and love for Jesus has exploded because of the show, and now I'm digging into the Word, now I'm going... Oh my goodness, I've got five more seasons of this <laughs> and I really now better not screw it up. But I had a profound moment in Magdala, Mary Magdalene's birthplace, when I was in Israel four, four years ago doing research. And I was at this synagogue that had been unearthed recently and that it was clear that it was a place where Jesus had been. And I f was by myself and I just, f I, I felt God really just strongly on my heart. Like it happens to me, you know, once every few years, this level of just feeling really God's presence and feeling like he had something for me. And I just felt him impre this impression on my heart of him um, saying, in several years, this show is going to be what people think of when they picture my people, like my followers, yeah. the disciples and the enemies of Jesus during this time. And when people think of these characters, because up till now, I haven't had anything in my mind for who Simon was or right. Matthew or Mary Magdalene, there wasn't a definitive portrayal. And uh, in a few years, this will be that. And I'm not going to let you screw it up. And 
I'm not claiming, you know, I heard God's voice or anything, but it was very strong in my heart. Of course, it's proven to be true. It's what we hear from people all the time. And I do believe that God has his hand at the very least in the creation of this project. I'm not claiming that I'm giving God's word. I'm not claiming that I'm inspired by God in the same way the gospel writers were. I want to make that very, very clear. It's very important when we talk about these kinds of issues, but I'm not claiming anything that I can't truly claim. But I will claim this, which is that I do believe that God is using this show to bring people closer to him and to his word. And because of that, my constant prayer is don't let me get in the way. Mm. And I do think that that's one of the things that has allowed the show to be what it is, is that I'm not doing this in, I feel this tremendous weight and responsibility because I'm responsible for bringing people to Jesus. It's because I'm like, I'm only responsible to not get in the way. This is God's thing. I think that's true for all of us. I think it's true for you with your podcast is, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not a gospel writer, but you are bringing truth to people. And if you can get into that or anyone listening can get into that posture of I'm a vessel, I'm a steward Mm -hmm. of something that God is doing. I want to find out what God is doing and then be part of that. I'm not generating this for myself. I think that's been part of the secret sauce of the show is that I truly am broken and surrendered and not trying to take on responsibility that's not mine. Yeah. Well, you said you have five seasons. Can you tell us are those all written out? Like, give us a little behind the scenes on that. Do you know where all of them are going? I don't know what director and writing world looks like. Is that all planned out on your little white pieces of paper around the wall? Like you got the storyline done? The big moves, yes. Of course, we know where the story ends. So... (laughs) We know season seven is, you know, kind of what happens after the resurrection. Season six, we're focused on the crucifixion. Spoiler alert, there's a crucifixion and a resurrection. But don't worry, Um, he comes back to life, guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we intend to capture that. Um, So we know, and we know each season, some of the big swings, the big Mm -hmm. Bible stories we do want to tell, some of the character, big moments we want to capture. But right now I'm writing season three with my co-writers, Ryan and Tyler. We don't have the seasons written yet. Season three is being written right now. And then as soon as we're done writing season three, which will launch us into pre-production for the season, we'll have a retreat where we map out season four in more detail, episode by episode. So yeah, we know where the show is going. We knew from the beginning kind of where we wanted the final episode to land. And then our job is to then work our way backwards and create backstories and an arc that makes those moments even more impactful. Right. And I think that's what causes people to love certain episodes is not just the power of that particular scene, Mm -hmm. but what took place to get us to that place. You know the people, you know the characters, you know the stakes. And so that's really important that we know where we're going. But yeah, in terms of the details, we still got a lot of writing to do. So much character development. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. 
Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Now you guys are releasing a special, this show's coming out on November 17th and you guys have a special right around the corner, December 1st and 2nd. Well, it's no longer 1st and 2nd because what is it? it's 1st through the 10th. We sold out and the previous Fathom record was like for pre-sales was like 800,000 over the course of three days. And we did a million and a half in 12 hours just from launching a live stream, telling people about it. And uh, now all the theater chains expanded it to 10 days instead of just two. So you can continue with your question. I just want to quickly that's say that's amazing. It's, it's more than just the first and second. The chosen army went crazy, and now it's they've expanded dates and more screens and more well, times. And so, listen, I got online the other day to buy tickets, and I was like, you know what? I got to figure out if we're going to be in the playoffs with football or like where we're going to be. And so I'm like, I'll talk to Aaron about it. Now I'm like, I got to buy these tickets today. Is what I have to do. Okay, so this is your Christmas special, Christmas with the Chosen. Tell us where did this idea come from, and what can people expect in the theaters? Yeah. So the very first thing I ever did that related to The Chosen, it wasn't intended to be this because I didn't have The Chosen in mind at the time, but I did a short film for my church's Christmas Eve service. It was called The Shepherd, The Birth of Christ from the Perspective of the Shepherds. That short film, long story short, ended up going viral and was the catalyst to generate the crowdfunding for season one of The Chosen. And so we always have a special place in our heart for that short film, of course. And last year we did a Christmas special just online on a live stream where we gathered all these Christian artists, musicians, Forking and Country, Phil Wickham, Mandisa, some extraordinary artists who came together and did Christmas songs on the set of the show. And then we played the short film and it went over really, really well. It was really disruptive, really turned out great, um, unique, chosen-esque. It was the kind of thing we really were excited about. So this year, when season three, we were hoping to be filming it this fall and it, there were delays in construction and all this stuff. And I thought, well, the fans are so passionate about season three and it'd be great to give them something to tide them over. Let's do another Christmas special. And that's when I thought I'd love to do a follow-up to that original short film, the same story, but this time do it from the perspective of Mary and Joseph and really explore their conversation as they walked to Bethlehem, what it was really like when they got to the stable. And we thought of things like Joseph shoveling manure yeah. off the ground to make space for Mary to sit down. And some of these things just really kind of flooded into our heads. And I thought, let's do an episode, like a brand new episode of the show. And let's do it secret. Like, let's not tell anyone. And we'll just launch it on this live stream where we'll give the big news that we've got this new episode. And if we can pull this off, people will just freak out. They'll be so excited to kind of be part of the show that we kind of kept under wraps, but yeah. just released the information to them. And But most importantly, honestly, we felt like we had something to say. We felt like there were some things about the nativity and about the birth of Christ that I just haven't seen portrayed before. Like what I mentioned, shoveling manure mm -hmm. to give room for Mary. So a bunch of artists who are fans of the show and 
passionate about Christmas and the messaging of what we're trying to get across, which is that people must know. People must know about the birth of Christ and spread the word. And so that's the impetus for this Christmas special. And yeah, the, the idea to put in theaters was just something new and fresh. We thought it'd be fun for chosen fans to gather. Yep. It will help finance this episode that we just did if they buy tickets. We didn't know how well it would work. We figured people <laughs> would be excited, but yeah, it has shattered records. Fathom's never had a show that's been in theaters mm-hmm. 10 days and the theater chains are all opening up more screens and all that because the demand has been so great. So it's been really exciting to see. Well, I'll tell you, I saw a preview. I didn't know if it was just something for me as interviewing you, but the trailer that I saw, I would, can almost cry right now with a scene that I saw. And it's, look, it makes me teary-eyed <laughs> when Mary is in labor and Joseph looks at her. <laughs> I'm going to cry right now. And he said, what did the angel tell you? And she said, do not be afraid. And I just like, yeah. ah, I think the reason, oh my gosh, I'm crying. I think the reason it was so like, she's in active labor, like she's hurting and she's yeah. afraid yeah. and they're in the stable. And in the scene, I did see him moving manure away for her to have the baby and she's delivering the Messiah. I mean, and you know, she knows this. And when Joseph yeah. said that to her, I think I just felt like, oh, he loves her so much in the midst yeah. of her labor. Joseph is like, yeah. remember what the angel said? <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. And I remember one of the storylines of this episode is Joseph being in so over his head and kind of being demasculated in many ways. I mean, think about Joseph's role. Yeah. He has to deal with the humiliation of a pregnant wife, you know, when that, of course, was considered to be a huge scandal. Right. And the angel said to him, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid. And they're dealing with all that. And now they're walking Bethlehem for days and she's yeah. pregnant and everything he tries doesn't work. You know, he's trying to get him a room at the inn and that doesn't work. And and she's kind of, we kind of portray her as kind of having this quiet strength throughout. So it's kind of like, she's calm about it and he's kind of frantic. But then when it comes time for the birth, they switch places. You know, mm-hmm. she's now like, okay, this was a concept. Like I'm a man, so I can't relate, but <laughs> is oh, okay. Now I got to do this. And this is scary and it's painful and it's overwhelming. And Joseph finds his strength. Yeah. yeah. And he reminds her, what did the angel say to you? It's the same thing he said to me. It's the first thing, the messenger, it's called the messengers. And that's what they referred to as angels back then yeah. as messengers. What did your messenger say? Yeah. And uh, like he said, she says, don't be afraid. And it reminds her. And he's like, don't be afraid. We are not alone. And it's a huge, now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> like, I mean, I've only seen the trailer a, and I, yeah. I imagine I'll be a mess, but it was like, oh, I know the story. I've grown up in church my whole life. This is not the first yeah. time I have thought or heard about Mary birthing our savior. And yet to see her in that moment portrayed, you guys have just done something so very beautiful with that. So everyone go, we'll put on the show notes and everything about where to get tickets. And December 1st through 10th, you can go see the Chosen Christmas special and you will cry in there just like I have cried on this interview with Dallas. Now I'm never going to be an extra because I'm just a crying mess over here. Dallas, I always end all my shows by asking my guests what they're reading. I love talking about books. Are you a reader? Are you taking anything in right now that through reading? Oh, I'm a voracious reader. I have a stack of books at my bedside. What are you reading? What are you loving in those books? Yeah. So right now I just started a book called Gridiron Genius. Okay. Which is a book about the principles of building an extraordinary football team. So this guy studied some of the great football coaches of all time. I'm a huge sports fan. And of course, now living in Texas, I have to Welcome to Texas. <laughs> cowboy fans and my son being playing football, which is great. I love football. But the reason I'm reading it, besides being a sports fan, is The Chosen is becoming our little company that started just with me and my partner 
you know, four years ago. Now we have, you know, 25 full-time employees. Yeah. And every time I do a season, there's a cast and crew of 200 people and we're just growing exponentially. And so I'm reading this book just to glean some of the principles of building an organization yeah. and leadership principles. When I decided 10 years ago to read, start reading leadership books and management books and communication books and all that, instead of books on how to make movies, I became a significantly better filmmaker because wow. I think leadership is such a huge part of directing and communication is such a huge part of it. So of course, I am also reading the Bible, which- That's a given. We yeah, don't have to I've say learned. that here. <laughs> Especially when I'm writing uh, the yeah. seasons, which I'm actively reading, yeah. writing season three right now. So my Bible's open every day for that particularly, but, yeah. uh, but Gridiron Genius is the book I'm reading right now. I love that. Well, Dallas, thank you so very much. It's been an honor to chat with you. I just, my whole family, all six of us are really big fans of your show. I'm also like, I'm like that mom also. I'm my senior who's going away to college is going to film school. And so I'm like pushing him oh, wow. towards like looking at great creators who yeah. are people of faith and are creating great things. So this is a joy for me to send him your way as well for someone that he can look to. So thank you so much. Thank you for The Chosen and thank you for all your work you're doing. Appreciate it so much. It's so great to talk to you. Appreciate you it. You too. You guys, I love this conversation and I can't believe I cried when I was talking about that scene. I haven't even seen the whole movie. I've literally just seen the trailer and that part really, really moved me. You guys, if you have not seen The Chosen yet, what a great time to watch it. In fact, I said to my husband Aaron, I was like, we should binge this again with the whole family over Christmas break. It's just great TV and it is binge worthy. Like you literally cannot wait to go to the next episode. And if you want more information about the Christmas special that we talked about today, go to thechosen.tv slash Christmas and you can find all the information there. It's through Fathom Events. You can also go to fathomevents.com and look for the movie The Chosen. Again, like Dallas said, it was just going to be two days. They've now extended it from December 1st to December 10th. Super easy at fathomevents.com to just type in your zip code and then it brings up theaters near you that are showing the movie and the whole Ivy family is going to go see this as well. So I can't wait to check it out. You guys also, we will see you on Friday. Remember with our holiday gift guide, Make sure you're watching for that and be here for that. If you want to look at it over on YouTube, you can watch it at jamieivy.com slash YouTube. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh, and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes do you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing? Well, come over and find us there and you can. JamieIvy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. Happy Hour.